Welcome to the Thunderstock Show. This is episode 40. Unofficially, I have done about 100 podcasts for myself. And officially, my special guest today is Mark Swigert, BJJ, from Lancaster Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'll give a quick introduction to Mark. I've known him now, officially, for nine years, almost exactly, from my jiu-jitsu journey, and I'm super stoked to have my centennial podcast with Mark. Without further ado, Mark, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to uh, kind of getting into some topics here and uh, exploring uh, kind of what you want to know. So I'll give a brief background. When I started wrestling in elementary school, the big thing was professional wrestling, WWF, the attitude era, you know, when everyone was going around generation X suck it, you know, that was, that was the era of professional wrestling that I grew up on. And I, I love that. And I kind of, you know, joined wrestling thinking it was the same thing. It was not. And when I got through college, uh, I wrestled in college. There was about like a nine month lull where I was like, what the hell am I going to do? I'm just gaining all this weight. Like I'm just getting going stir crazy. Lifting weights wasn't enough. And I had some friends from school that were in jujitsu. One guy was a David Adiv brown belt, but he like he just did wrestling to get better at jujitsu. I didn't quite understand that. And some of my friends from Jersey were big into jujitsu, and I was like, all right, I'll try, I'll try it out. And I had some friends from college that that joined. And I started at Langster BJJ, and I think Mark, you were a blue belt. It's been a minute, yeah, <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> to date, to date ourselves, and Mark was one of my first training partners because we were around the same weight. Now I'm substantially shorter, but I'm very stocky, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool!" Like I got like a good training partner right away. And I remember my first tournament was August of 2014, so nine years from right now. And the only person that showed up was Mark. <laughs> <laughs> it was me and him to help kind of coach me and whatever. And I won that tournament, my very first one, three weeks into jiu-jitsu. And that's kind of how my relationship with Mark started. You know, I've been a friend of mine since then. We stayed in touch, done jiu-jitsu. And uh, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about your journey. Now, it's not about me. It's about yours. So when did you start Brazilian jiu-jitsu? It's been Fourteen years, um, yeah, wow, it goes so quick. It's hard. Um, just listening to some of the things you say, even thinking back that long, thinking about just the headspace, just my understanding, just you know where I was at that point in my life. It's been that long. Um, I want to say shortly after my twenty-first birthday, you know, as a young kid, made some terrible decisions. You know, looking back, that have been some of the best decisions of my life and during that process one of the things that really helped correct me and kind of point me towards where I am today was when I found jujitsu I'll never forget I used to uh, at that point I wasn't driving um, so I used to actually ride my bike from either my house or from Pizza Hut uh, when I was working there <laughs> oh my down to Lancaster BJJ and ride it home late at night um, but anything just to keep training it's a uh, Crazy how quick it goes, crazy how many friendships, how many relationships, and how many people you, you, you really meet and, and form those bonds with in, in that amount of time. I mean, it's just, don't know what I'd do without it now. <laughs> Man, so you used to ride your bike from Pizza Hut, from work to jiu-jitsu. Right away. Jiu-jitsu home. Man, I used to come in smelling like breadsticks and all. So I'd have to, uh, <laughs> I can't even tell you. Those days where they made me serve, how many tips I, uh, you know, nominal, but how many tips I'd leave on the table just so I could leave early and make it to training on time. <laughs> I had my priorities in line. Well, it was a good career decision after all, because now you're the owner of Lancaster BJJ from Pizza Hut to owning the school. Um, that's couple a couple things in between. A couple things in between. <laughs> that's a crazy amount of dedication that I think in the beginning days of jujitsu and I'll, and I'll just say from my own experience, I started five years about after you officially, like there weren't many upper belts. Like the, I would say to say that it looked like a pyramid where the black belts being the top. And then like, it's not even really true as a flatter pyramid than that, because it was probably like 85% of a school was white or maybe some blue belts. Like a blue belt was considered an upper belt at the time. It was all white belts. 
hundred percent. I mean, it was just a different construct. It was a different um, creature back then. I mean, even jujitsu as a whole, just the efficiency, just the thought process that kind of goes into it is drastically different from what we learned. And I mean, you know, you'd go to super fights or go to tournaments, you'd see super fights with purple belts. Uh, There'd be maybe one black belt in four or hell, 40 mile radius. And now there's four black belts in a mile radius. And I, I think, you know, there's still a huge skew as far as unfortunately upper belts, um, compared to newer people, um, less experienced white belts or, or blue belts have at you. But, um, I think, you know, the beautiful thing about jujitsu now is there's just such an awareness is that people understand the, the positive things that it can do for you, not just self-defense, but I mean, physical side, as far as an alternative mode of exercise for mental. I mean, me personally, it has been a godsend for me to have that escape in my life, especially the difficult parts in life. I mean, it gives you that opportunity to really put an outlet to really a a positive outlet to really allow yourself to go through things in life. So it has been just a blessing. For those that don't know your background and your education is in Exercise, phys, exercise, science. Yeah, degree in Westchester. So um, for, for you to say that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has those properties from an exercise perspective, you know, it, it doesn't come from a, a point of view of ignorance by any means. It comes from a point of view of you've seen t- all kinds of programming for all kinds of age groups, and the one that brings the, the mental health aspect into things would be, in your opinion, Jiu-Jitsu. How much does your educational background play into you know your career now with jiu-jitsu 100 percent. i mean it so my background is really just understanding movement patterns and how to recreate them or how to teach them and so i mean while i i, I joke and i say i wasted money going to school uh, i truly believe without it i wouldn't have the understanding i wouldn't have the the skill to to teach and thankfully get the results that we do as a byproduct of that so I, I i think it's very it's played a huge impact um and just life experiences i mean just the ability uh, when i was at westchester i mean man all i did was train jujitsu. i'd go to class sometimes when it didn't interfere but i mean my life was pretty much dedicated to jujitsu. oh so you started training in westchester in college well so i actually started training when i was back here i actually started at lancaster pjj 14 years ago mm. so that was my first class i'll never forget i saw something advertised i called brian up the owner at the time i'm um, good friend and I asked him, you know, kind of about the pricing, the class structure, so on and so forth. And I asked him, and where do I get my GI? And to this day, they never let me live it down. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those moments when you're new at something and, you know, inexperienced. I mean, never let it be a deterrent to to take that chance and to to enjoy it because, you know, you're going to, it's a learning process, regardless of what you do, regardless of what you call certain items. I mean, it's all about learning, all about growing. I think that's a hilarious story because so much of jujitsu that that I look back and think of fondly is like the inside jokes, right? Because some people come into jujitsu all nervous, like I'm going to be a UFC champion. And like those guys like have that ambition walking through the door typically don't last because there's the Dunning, Dunning Kruger effect, which means the less you mess around, the more you'll find out. And the more you mess around, the less you'll find out, kind of like that learning curve. 100%. And you understand that, like, in order to, again, this is just my point of view, like, you have to take a step back and not take yourself so seriously because that ego conquering, at least, you know, whether it's in business or jujitsu or any other sport, it's like, once you get over yourself, then the true fun kind of begins. And I feel like you have a perspective in jujitsu that's super unique because uh, eight years ago, you got into ownership of a gym. Yes. In a bet. time where there was, like you said earlier, there were maybe one, there was maybe one or two black belts in Lancaster County, period, total. And there's like, <clears throat> present day, there's about 600,000 people in Lancaster County. So you say one in a million, it's not that far off. Not back then, yeah. Yeah, not back not then. Not by a long shot. Yeah, you bet. It's quite a change in the... Uh... The scheme, the scenery, I mean, it's just there's been such a, a growth. And I think, you know, 
because of podcasts like this, because of outlets, because of those people who allow their stories to be known and the positive effects and, you know, curse their social media in some aspects, but it's a blessing in others. And, you know, to let some of those stories be known and to let that travel. I mean, I think just as a sport, um, it has grown as a self-defense um, tool. It has grown. I just, I mean, even kids, I know talking to my wife, um, the second my little guy starts walking, he will be rolling around on my mats. So hopefully a couple weeks. <laughs> That's wild. So what would you say has changed the most? I'm going to jump around. It's going to be a nonlinear podcast. Perfect. Keep everyone that's listening on their toes. My ADHD will play into that. Amen to that, brother. So, you know, we're both kind of recent fathers. One of the things that's the most interesting about having, well, one, getting the news that my fiance, now wife, was pregnant. It's like my mindset shifted then. But once my child was born, everything for me changed. How would you say your jiu-jitsu career your career and jiu-jitsu has changed since your child was born. Man, everything's changed. I mean, just the focus, the responsibility, the obligations in a good way and a crazy way. Um, I mean, it has just uprooted every ounce of our lives. And I couldn't be happier. I mean, just to be able, it makes me want to work harder, not just to provide, but to have something that I can share with him. And I see other people and in my gym, in friends' gyms, in places I visit, and those bonds that they get to share. And I can't wait to share those experiences with my kid and jujitsu or not, but um, hopefully jujitsu being one of those, those big components that we can, you know, have that, those common interests together. So I am beyond ecstatic um, to get to that point. Um, it's been a neat development too in the gym because we have so many young fathers as well. So we mm. have this whole crew of people that are either a little ahead or a little behind. So it's like this little bond that I can form where I can also get advice and we can also figure out that, you know, we're one person, this is normal. So I'm not just pulling my hair out over this. It does get better. <laughs> so it's, oh, there goes my phone. So it's just been a very altering, life-changing, for the better experience. I mean, it's nothing like it. Yeah, I would say that when, at least for my own personal story, with my, uh, my child being born, I was working like ballpark 60 to 70 hours, maybe 80, depends on the week for the company that I started in 2019. And I just realized really quickly that it was going to be impossible to be the father and husband I wanted to be if I was miserable and never around, not because of what I was doing, but because of the company needing like just so much of my, the, the more I would give, the more they would like the company. I, I felt like my perspective would need me. Right. Hundred percent. So, like, when you're good at your job, you're cursed with doing more work. So, when you're bad at your job, you're cursed with doing less work. And I didn't want that to be the case in my family. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. And uh, I made the career jump to go all in on working for myself. I sold out of the company that I was in. Just like, hey, I'm gonna make an exit. Now I work from home, so I do you know the podcasting, the marketing, consulting, real estate. But it's it's all scheduled around my schedule, right? So my family always comes first. And I think. You know, to give listeners perspective, you started owning Lancaster BJJ in 2015, correct? 2016? Your dating's better than mine. About eight years. <laughs> eight years ago. So 2015-ish. And for the last eight years minus a couple of days, you had your corporate job, which yes. gave you your salary gave you your benefits like you had like a standard of living that, like you could always fall back on the corporate job like yes the, if, if jiu-jitsu gym wasn't you know where you needed to be financially you were fine because your family's taken care of safety net yeah you had the safety of the corporate job for eight years i i had that until 2019 i jumped out of that started my own business and during freaking covid six months into the business was covid and i had that period of oh my god what did i do like, this is insane. It was the most difficult decision I ever made was starting my own business and going, betting all in on myself that I could do it. 
And it's the best decision I ever made because now I get to live, you know, we're four years out from that decision and life is, is great. Now there's ups and downs, obviously, but it's on my terms. So that's about me for you. Like what is the biggest difference from when you became a business owner the first time, quote unquote, and I'm going to call it like a born again business owner. Now that you're stepping out when you left your corporate career as of yesterday. Yes. So, I mean, I, to caveat it, I, I, I've kind of been out of the business for a couple months now. I've been working kind of one day, um, just kind of feeling the need to be around my house a little more, be around my family a little more, and just realizing that I didn't want to be away and I wanted to put myself in a position where I can spend my days at home. Yes, I go to my gym in the evenings. That's my second family. There's no place I'd rather be. I look forward, and some days even more than others, look forward to getting a little break yeah. um, and going to my gym. But I just, for me, it was about creating the lifestyle that I wanted. It's about breaking the mold. It's about getting out of the daily grind, the bullshit in my life that I just didn't enjoy. I'm so thankful for the opportunity they gave me uh, to, to work a job full time and have the flexibility to also run a business it was a godsend but i just got to that point where kind of push came to shove some stuff happened at the beginning of the year and my life just kind of shifted and i really understood what needed to be prioritized and what i wanted to get out of my life and it just wasn't satisfying if i never took the chance if i never stepped off the ledge i was always going to be at that same point and it's scary, you know, when you see your, you start going from that, that comfortable spot where, yes, you're financially set. Yes, I now have my kid to take care of. So I have someone else, you know, that I have to watch out and I want what's best for him. But ultimately, if I'm not happy, if I'm not around, that's ultimately not going to bring him happiness. So it was about making that whole lifestyle change and just cutting out what I didn't like. And what I didn't enjoy and what I loathed. And it's been evident when I cut back to two days a week or one and a half days a week, the, the shift in just everything in life became enjoyable. Everything in life, working for myself, I had more time. Mm. I had more time to do those things that being a part-time business owner just got pushed to the wayside or my to-do list just got longer. I mean, now it's probably constantly growing as well but i have the time to start to actually make progress actually do the things that i need to bet on myself and take the chance on myself and it's worth just jumping off or stepping off that ledge and uh and giving it a try and that's what i'm doing now and i'm just thankful for the the atmosphere for the team that i have for my, my wife my family that you know support me taking this step because if it wasn't for her, I definitely wouldn't be able to do it. No, I can hundred percent relate to that. It's so much of a blessing to have a supporting partner. It's everything, you know, um, one of the quotes that gets tossed around and that sticks with me is that, and again, anyone that loves their job or anyone that's doing something to support your family and, no, no disrespect, all, all the support for that. But for those, this is, this is for people like me and Mark that were so used to the corporate life that took a step out. This quote applies. A salary is the price someone's willing to pay to give up on their dreams. And I think with business, if I never would have taken that risk and lived off of my savings and had to basically scrape by on credit cards and had to, I, I'm not proud of it, but my mom had to, float me money one time loan me and she died before I got the chance to pay her back but she never would have taken the money back but if I didn't have those crazy like near breaking point times with all the pressure the do or die the situation and I'm not saying this for everybody but for me it, it's what made me so much better at business and so much better at growing up was throwing myself in there and going all in because when I had my salary I was like oh, I don't care like it's okay Lights are on. My day job still pays exactly. me. But when I didn't have that safety net, I was like, oh, shit. You have to figure it out. You have to figure it out. So what would you say um, was the first thing you had to figure out? Because you're, you're – I'm, I'm not going to lie. 
to, to have a, a full-time gig that lets you still own a business, one, that's rare. Good for you. And then two, lets Lucky. you scale back and be a part-time thing and still own a business is like, you're not jump like you're you're basically like hang gliding where it's like a, a decline and you're jumping off that, but not like a cliff where you're going skydiving. Yes. Like that which is cool. Good and bad. It's that still provides that safety net. Mm-hmm. It still provided that comfortability. It made it that much harder to walk away. And really ultimately what just pushed me away is they, they found someone that could provide them more hours, could give them what they're looking for, and I think it was the best mutual decision. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it was nice. At the same time, I think it was a, a hindrance because it, it did. It gave me that safety net and, and, and it took away that push that you're talking about, that force where you have to learn, where you have to make it work. Where, you know, I want to sit down, I want to relax, you know, when my kid finally goes to bed. And guess what? It's time I got to do X, Y, and Z before I can wrap it up. Or I want to sleep in that extra hour. I want to go here. I want to do that. And I think people don't understand the true sacrifices it takes because it is not a nine to five. You do not punch out. I am accessible almost 24-7. My wife makes me put my phone down sometime around 11, 11.30 at <laughs> night. Um, but I am pretty accessible, and I want to be there for my students, I mean, my friends, my family. I mean, that's what they are. It's not a typical business where it's just a, a customer where, yes, I am providing you a service, but it's a family. I invest a lot of time. I invest a lot of time outside of class in these people, and... I think, you know, it's a two-way street. They do in me. They trust me to, to, to guide them. And it's just, it's just been a godsend to, to be able to give more to them, to give more to the people that, that want to be a part of this special thing that we're building. And it's just so rewarding. And I, I am just, I, I wish I did it sooner. Um, that's the truth. Well, I would say that, um, you know, that would be one of my all- – personally also agree one of my biggest regrets is not doing it sooner but at the time i know why because it's so terrifying it is so like when you're on the other side of it you're like okay yeah i could have done this before but you you couldn't have right there's a reason for everything i believe um i think it's something that you touched on i'm going to call out is that a lot of people that are black belts that are high level competitors don't understand the frame shift of when you're competing and you're in it for yourself in jujitsu to be the best competitor you can be is much different than being the best team player and being the best coach and being the best gym owner. hundred percent. Like they're, they're entirely different goals and entirely different journeys. And there's, I'm not saying one's better than the other. They're just different. And for you to at purple belt be like, Hey, I'm taking on the helm of owning the gym. You basically made your jujitsu career for the last eight years about everybody else. And you had you had to get better at explaining and analyzing and understanding, not get on the podium every single time. Hundred um, percent. How has that frame shift of of it being more team centric and not egocentric uh, evolved from the beginning till now? I think it's it's a tough question. It, it, it's change in in the fact that. On an individual basis and as a team, I'm seeing everybody be successful. Um, It has been, like you said, the bulk of my journey has been about the success of others. So it has been very rewarding to see them accomplish their goals. It's been very rewarding to watch people grow up through our gym. Some of them kids. I can't even imagine, you know, when I I meet these kids and to watch them grow up into young men and young women is just an amazing thing and we've had this whole shift now from uh, the older kids shall we say like 14 years old to like 15 16 I've had this influx this whole little core group of kids that are just in my adult program now and are thriving I mean I'm watching some of them submit and really go after um, some of my better adults. And I mean, it's just an uh, amazing dynamic. And it was 
terrifying. You know, when I first took over, a lot of the students weren't my students. They were Brian's students. Right. So it was a different dynamic in that aspect. That's wild to think about. <laughs> it's crazy. And, and, and he has a very different jujitsu than I do. I think we're both very fundamental oriented. Um, but he played positions. His body type was different and, you know, just different than I do. And so it was a weird shift in going from being a student to a teacher. And and it was never an external between other people, but there was always an internal power struggle that I had where just stepping into that role when, and being that leader when I have people that have been training longer than me, that are ranked higher than me. And... I hear it from some of my other instructors, you know, they get nervous if we get visitors that are black belts or higher rank, this and that. But eventually you get to a point where it's just another student and you realize that everybody has a piece and, and something to share with you. Mm -hmm. And you can truly learn something from everybody, even if it's a day one person. I was going to say, man, I had a class with a, with a guy who was a second class in jujitsu. Yeah. And I was like, man, you're a really good training partner. Like, he didn't know that he was a good training partner, but I was just like, oh, okay, like you're, you just are curious. You don't have any like external biases. Exactly. Like you're just like a sponge and it's, it's so refreshing because a lot of people I find have these, they're carrying around their weight of their own experiences. And sometimes they have trauma or they have like bad experiences or they have bad habits or whatever. And like, like you said, I mean, everyone has their own journey, whether you're a, a four stripe black belt like you still, when you're done with jujitsu, you still put your normal pants on one leg at a time. Um, I want to make a comparison. You taking over the gym as a purple belt, and maybe there was people that are higher belts or whatever. Like when I acquired my first business, that business was around for 53 years. Guy was 76 years old. And, he, and like there was this crazy paradigm shift of like changing of the guard. And like some of the people that were with him from for 20 plus years, like didn't get it. Yeah. And like, and like the owner didn't get it cause we kind of kept them on for a transition. And it was a, when you talk about power struggle, it was an, an insane thing because you, and I'm going to put myself in your shoes cause I kind of get it. Like there's no easy way, right? You just have Not to continue all. to carry on. And when you hire your own people that you start hiring in, you start changing things. It just takes so much time because think about it. Like for as long as it took for them to build that business and develop those relationships, like it's going to take at least that long for them to trust you to have you in that same position for their exactly. experience. So like from a mergers acquisition standpoint, it on, it, it's so much different taking over a business and starting one. And I think I'm so blessed that I took over a business. Like I've started businesses before, but I, but by acquiring a business, I had a, uh, like a sense of a reference point. Exactly. So what, what are some of the things that Brian Fisher taught you about owning a gym? Like what are some of those lessons that you, you had on like day one? I think the biggest takeaway that I had from Brian was just the culture that he created. He created an environment that people wanted to be a part of. He created an environment that you looked forward to going to jujitsu. Like mm. I said, I used to ride my bike from pizza, which was only, you know, maybe a mile, mile and a half up the road. But I would also ride the bike from my house over there on days I wasn't working. And that's a couple miles. I would also ride home every night in the dark. Uh, just to be there and be a part of what he created. And that's been the big thing for me. Yes, it's nice. I, 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 of course, love new students. I love growing the gym. But what I love more than just the numbers, I love the community, the culture. I love the growth of that core group that we have, those people that you know you're going to see almost every night. You know that they're going to be there welcoming you, sometimes a little with a little more force than others. Uh, to be there on the mats. And I mean, it's just so much fun to be a part of. And that's what I've just tried to create and, and 
like you said, it struggled. It, it, it's a shifting of the guard, right? Because everybody gets set in a certain way. They get set with a certain routine, a certain structure, just even a certain personality leading the gym. And you have to recalibrate everything. And it has to be done carefully. And I, I'm not immune. I've made quite a few mistakes in the process. I think anyone pursuing any any path is going to make mistakes and I think that you know jujitsu has taught me that over and over and over again that we're going to make a lot of mistakes in anything that we do in life and it's just about learning and growing so my next question is what are some of the lessons that Brian may not have been able to teach you that you that you learned that you do differently so like, what are some of the adaptations that you made that are different than the old Lancashire BJJ? Because right now, I mean, the rebrand exists. You guys are heavy active on social media. You have a lot of competitors. You have a large, I think, a larger student base. Jiu-Jitsu has grown, but your school has grown. Thankfully. So what, what like, tell me some of the, the key lessons that you have learned that mm -hmm. he, you know, if he were still here, would have been different. Like, how, how was Mark's Lancashire BJJ evolved and changed i think it's not even so much a reflection of brian i mean brian as a martial artist in his time has evolved and changed so much i can't wait to get my hands on him again and train with him because yeah. it's always so much fun training with each other and he always brings a different dynamic same stuff just a little different way to do it um i think just jujitsu as a whole the community ha has just shifted drastically um, I think definitely the, the level of content that's being taught is incredibly elevated, but that's just due to, to access to material, to different instructors. I mean, when me and Brian were training together, we were looking in picture books or we had VHS. Jesus. And so you can imagine <laughs> now there are apps where you just go down and you can learn the newest material, uh, moves, concepts, so on and so forth. Uh, I think from the Biggest lesson that I took away and that I'm really implementing and working aggressively on and have been in the past couple months is business. Is you have to run it like a business. So many people and not, uh, martial arts is not exclusive. They live in a fantasy world and they run a, uh, how do I put this? They don't necessarily follow strict structure or, or proven principles, shall we say, and they don't run it like a business. And there's a balance, you know, and it's a very careful balance because everything I do, I'm in a service industry. So everything mm -hmm. I do is I serve the people that come in. And within these past couple months, I can't tell you how appreciative I am and thankful for those people that put their trust in me to guide them and, you know, to help them on this journey. But we're also doing things where, you know, I'm pursuing other revenue streams shall we say so my next big thing that i'm looking to tackle is just going to be more gear more stuff like that but right. just again business type stuff that i should have been doing for a long time and i just didn't have the time to do it and now that i've been blessed to, to have that um that's been the biggest shift for me tremendously i think that's a that's such a crazy perspective because on one hand with jujitsu you're like yeah jujitsu itself you know irregardless of the prior owner has changed because of the content being put out and the, like the way you're learning used to be from picture books now it's more like actual instructional videos which is just a crazy evolution but from business you're looking you're looking at the because mo when, when you ask a competitor how has your jujitsu journey changed they're not going to say i learned more about business Exactly. They'd be like, oh, I, I started doing leg locks or I started inverting or whatever exactly. technical. But you're looking at like a strategic standpoint. Just it's so neat to see Like one of the problems that I've always had as a uh, participant in jujitsu was buying gear for myself. So like one weird body type, right? Five, eight, like anywhere between 190 to like 230. It's like, okay, good luck find something that fits. Two, what brand versus like the cost versus the brand quality. Hundred percent. Three, I'm not a fashionista, but whenever I would try, in my <laughs> opinion, try and buy something that was like cool looking, it would end up being all 
you know, ruined very quickly. <laughs> so the gear aspect, can you tell me a little bit about that? Cause I'm see you have branded t-shirts, you have the branded rash guards. Uh, All I wear now. Yeah. Tell me about advertising. That. Yeah. I'm um, just uh, creating more brand awareness and, and quite honestly, it's just giving people what they've asked for. Mm. It's, I just was, it's another one of those things is an added cost. You know, there it's a time commitment just going through that whole process, planning it out, and it just I didn't have the resources or wasn't willing. And that's, I think, the biggest thing that I took away that I probably didn't touch on before is just the willingness to reinvest in a business. Yeah. Whether it's time or whether it's money, I'm always looking, what can I do to grow the experience? I mean, that's what this whole rebrand was about. It's not about me. It's about training, uh, providing a better training facility for everybody that comes. And, you know, ultimately, hopefully, we, we grow as a gym. I mean, that's the ultimate grow, goal to grow as a business, but to grow in the right way, to bring in more training partners that we want to train with, more have more fun, raise that energy in the room. And, and I've been blessed and, you know, thankful that I'm, I'm seeing that paid back to me, but that was a significant investment and terrifying investment and was probably one of the best investments I made thus um, prior to this point in my life um, monetarily anyway <laughs> now you're bringing up a, an interesting topic so one of the books that's on my to, to read list is a book called Oikonomics and the concept of that as, as I'm told from my friend Reed who referred it to me is that there, and I might butcher it, but there's four, several currencies that you can invest. You can invest money, obviously, time, then you have relationships, and you have skills. So I, the way I look at it is you're learning all these skills as a business owner. You spent so many years learning skills in jiu-jitsu, you still are. You're building relationships, not just with like your team and your instructors, but your students and like your, Absolutely. your customers, really. My family your family and you're finally like people are like, Oh man, gym membership. That could be a hundred bucks a month, 120, you know, more than that. That's, that's really expensive, but they don't understand the economics behind it. Like, and what you get for that hundred, like the ROI of that hundred dollars a month, 1200 bucks a year, for example. I mean, As a gym owner, the more that you invest your skills and your relationships and your time and your money, and you ha I think you have to do all of those things. 100%. The more that that $100 that someone would invest in your gym gets paid back to them immediately. 100%. From the, the service, the community, and just the culture. Like I would say that in modern United States – it is incredibly rare to have community anymore. Everyone is, you know, working from home, isolated. They're just yes. like nothing wrong with playing video games, but if that's where all of your social interaction comes from, you're kind of missing it's tough. out. Yeah. You're missing out on those, those intimate relationships where you really get to know people. And that's the beauty of jujitsu is it's all about building those relationships. It's about building that trust. I mean, ultimately we have to trust our training partners. We're putting our safety at times, our lives in their hands. And it's about creating that right culture. You know, we create an environment, especially with our new class structure that I am super proud everyone has been just, I mean, accelerating. And it's a higher intensity. We're working harder. But we're creating an environment where we want to come work, where we want to all get better, not just from a selfish standpoint, but because when we get better, indirectly our partners get better and we give more to the team and it is, it's that community. And I think in this day and age, we tend to try to, to surround ourselves with people with, with the same viewpoint, right? Or the same views politically or however you want to phrase it. And the beauty of jujitsu is none of that shit matters, right? You're on the mats, you got an hour, you got an hour and a half, leave that shit at the door, come in, train, look beyond that, get to know the people that you're training with, you know, and, and that's what it's about. It's about bringing people together and you'd be amazed 
how many times you form close bonds with people in jujitsu. And had you met them because they may not agree with you in one view or the other outside of the gym, you may never have given them a chance. And I think that's the problem with this world that we live in. And I think it's that disconnect that produces and really fuels that divide. And the more we can come together, you know, ultimately, and as cheesy as it sounds, but the, the better off we're going to be. And I think jujitsu is a great tool in, in that aspect as well. It's really easy to hate someone from far away. And it's difficult to hate someone close up. When you get to know someone, um, if you really understand someone, you know, we often hate what we don't understand. Exactly. Really hate is just another word for misunderstanding. Ignorance. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's, a, there's this uptick in, in substance abuse and suicide in the last several years, really accelerated by COVID. And what COVID did, you know, stay home, isolate. I get it. Like, that's what we we're mandated, told to do. But what the unintended consequences were of isolation and this d division is it further alienates people from nature and human nature is uh, social. So exactly. um, I think that malaise, that disease of mental health and, and all that, uh, you know, one of my, my good friends and, and podcast guests and, you know, whatever, uh, Carrie, she has a, a company. It's all about recovery and mental health and substance abuse disorder, like coaching and, and alternative rehabilitate, not the 12 steps. Yeah. She has her own like way of approaching it. And we've talked plenty of times about how the cause of addiction is not the substance itself. That's what people are using to treat the, the cause. The, the underlying issue is a disconnect is a lack of connection, whether that's with a higher power or with meaningful connections in, in their life with amongst other humans. And, it, you know, in a lot of ways, I've met some people that have lost tremendous amounts of weight, have gained tremendous amounts of self-confidence. I mean, other than having a child, nothing other than like jujitsu and like cutting weight for wrestling has made me look at my diet and my like, you know, alcohol use more closely. You have to. You have to. <laughs> So, um, I guess, you know, enough about that. W what would you say for someone that's thinking about joining jujitsu? Mm -hmm. Um, what would you say to them about like how it's affected your mental health? It has played a huge impact on my mental health. It's really been an outlet, a vehicle for me, um, to escape the, the bullshit in my life. That was a fear that I had when I took over the gym. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was one of those things where I very much, I compartmentalized the business. I compartmentalized the teaching and I compartmentalized my own training. So there are days, whether it's at my gym or whether I go to friends gyms, just to remove myself to where I'm not an, an owner and a teacher, um, where I go and I just train and I'm selfish for me. But again, 90% is probably uh, for everyone else, but it has been, so I have incredible ADHD, as you can tell by the conversation. <laughs> Same here, dude. I have depression. Um, you know, I was put on medication. I can tell you it's been over 10 years since I've, I've touched my medication. Um, I use jujitsu as a positive outlet. And I think, you know, not only physically, and I look at some people that I've played some pretty high-level sports with growing up, and well, I'm very thankful jiu-jitsu has kept me physically fit, and it will do that. The real benefit that's been paid to me has been the mental aspect. Just like I said, that vehicle to an opportunity to escape for and, and get a mental reprieve for an hour to two hours a day when you're going through you know, life's ups and downs. You go through so much bullshit and you have to have that outlet. And so unfortunately, like you touched on, I think some people rely on alcohol and hundred percent. I have an addictive personality. I just tend to fill that addiction with jujitsu. <laughs> so, you know, everybody, everybody always says jujitsu is meant for everybody. And I think it truly is. And I think the people that benefit the most are the people that allow themselves to immerse themselves in the culture. I would say that one of the ways I define addiction 
is putting one thing um, above everything else. So like you're trading one thing in exchange for everything else. Um, and then recovery is like exchanging everything else, trading it for that one thing. And I think that while you say you're addicted to jujitsu, I think really it's like a therapy because, 100%. because what you're telling me is that you have this balance between business and your hobby and your family and your friends and your family that a lot of people, I'll just use a career that I know, like finance and investment. They glorify working 80 hours. Like if you're not working 80 hours, which is crazy. Like when I was in startup culture in a, in a tech company in like the legal industry, I would work 60 hours a week, get there at seven, leave at five 30. Okay. Every day, seven 30 to five 30. So 10 hour days, no lunches, whatever. And then I would work five hours on Saturday and five hours on Sunday, 10 to three. Yep. So that's, you know, 60 hours a week. Never and, ending. And I left one Friday at five o'clock, not five 30. And my boss and the owner at the time goes, I remember my first part-time job <laughs> and I'm like, what the frick? Like, what do you mean? So yeah. my point to that is, is like, if you look at just specifically addiction, like I think what jujitsu does is it cure it it almost reverses it because of that, that force to have your hobby and your friends and your family and your career, like all balancing, not one taking over. Whereas like I, I can, I'm not going to name any names, but I know a handful of people, you know, growing up through wrestling that were all American wrestlers that when they stopped wrestling, got hooked on heroin. Yeah. And like, just, you know, I'm not going to obviously not say any names, but some of them that I know, got into jujitsu and got off of heroin like yeah. immediately. hundred percent. Um, and that's one of the hardest addictions to overcome really. So again, this, this podcast isn't about that. I'm just trying to look at the highlight of like, wow, look at this positive, uh, you know, outlet for mental health. Um, I guess, you know, I, I've kind of grilled you on, on business and, uh, jujitsu quite a bit. What do you hope in the years coming now that your son is almost one years old? Like you've been in jujitsu for 14 years and I'm assuming you're going to be a lifer, which pretty much already are when your son is 15. So 14 years from now, right? Double your, your time in jujitsu. How do you like look into the future? What does that vision look like? Freedom, freedom financially, freedom time wise the ability to to be there for him but hopefully the ability to create something that if he wants he has a path to follow that there's some there's a foundation laid for him and it's cheesy it says kind of like a legacy right mm. i want i want to lay out a path that if he wants to pursue it he has the option if he doesn't i want to support him in everything that he has but i want to be present and I want to be present for my family. I want to be present for my students. Um, I'll never be able to disconnect. I know kind of the, the thought process in building a lot of businesses is the ability to really step away. And I like that in the extent of diversifying. So maybe I don't have to teach every night. But it's a family, man. So like my hope truly at that point is that my kid and hopefully at that point my wife will get back into it and you know they will join that family and be a part of that family and set those values and allow him to learn those life lessons the hard way and jujitsu is very honest there's just no bullshit right like other martial arts certain martial arts Lack of better terminology. Aikido. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I had some in my throat. I'm so sorry. Let's 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 retract the Aikido. Um, but let's say uh, karate, touch sparring. It's just not practical. It's choreographed dancing. Are you saying that Steven Seagal isn't the most dangerous man on the earth? <laughs> no comment. I'm way more of a Van Damme man myself. <laughs> JCVD. Um, but just. <laughs> <laughs> just to be able to, to share those things and, you know, to have, to force him into those struggles through jujitsu, to force him to problem solve, to show him that life is full of challenges and you're going to constantly be knocked down if you're pursuing your dream. And it's, 
How do you pick yourself up? How do you keep moving forward? Do not let it discourage you. And, you know, we learn that time and time again. I was talking to a student the other day that was having trouble. They weren't seeing themselves progressing. They're at a plateau. I'm pretty vocal about mine. I've been in thousands of plateaus. At the beginning of this year, I was struggling with jujitsu on an application standpoint. I was having trouble, and really, you're not having trouble. Really, you're getting better. It's just everyone's also improving. And just teaching, you know, how do I keep things into perspective? And I, I, I can't tell you how many responsibility, hard work, dedication, you know, safety, being a, just being a good freaking person. I mean, how many positive lessons I have learned throughout my time in jiu-jitsu and how it has changed and shaped me into the person that I am today. And my hope, and whether it's jiu-jitsu, and that's, of course, my hope, or whether it's another tool, I just I hope that he's able to, to grow and to be a better person than I was at that age, maybe make less bad decisions than I did um, at that age or the subsequent years after that, and just, you know... Like I said, just to be there. That's that's everything. You know, life is all about balance. I know you touched on that before, and I'm a firm believer. I, I work like a dog, but I also, there's times where it's all about my family or other priorities in my life. And, you know, it's just, as much as I love jujitsu, it's not, it doesn't define me. It's not who I am as a person. It's a huge part of me, but it's not who I am. So I'm a, I'm a cheesy quote guy, kind of guy. One of the quotes that I really like is from Aristotle, probably original. I think everyone, everyone attributes the ancient Greeks. (laughs) It could have been somebody else, but we are what we repeatedly do. Um, So, and there's more to it, but I'm blanking, but we are what we repeatedly do, right? So habits like predict our identity. So like, I mean, you can you can be someone that repeatedly does jujitsu, but you it's like, are you present for your family? Exactly. Like, are you a good training partner? Are you you know polite? Are you well mannered? Are you clean? A are good you person? like because you can do jujitsu, but if you're the guy that hurts everybody and has the stinky gi, you know, then you're like you could be an asshole. And do jujitsu, exactly. or you could be a good person in jujitsu. Um, you know, you could have five kids, but if you never see them, are you really a dad? Exactly. So that's the that's the part of jujitsu that I I really like. You can't lie about like like people again. We'll go back to the new student that says they're going to be the UFC champion on day one. You can like tell yourself anything, but it it gets revealed over time, and um. I like the idea of not having to look in the mirror and shout affirmations, but looking at my calendar and saying, what have I done exactly with my time? And you know, like it, the hardest part about business is having confidence when you get into it. Right. Cause you, cause I'm sure when you own the business, you're like, ah, I mean, I've never owned a business before. It's, it's terrifying. my first time. But now that you have eight years of owning it and then you have more time, like dude, I look back and I'm like, wow, I didn't give myself enough credit for what I've done before. You know what I mean? I was so hard on myself. It's never enough, never good enough. But again, I'm kind of going on this ramp, but I'm going to tie it in. It's like, if you can look back and say, okay, well, I did my best. I showed up like, okay, so you're hardworking. Okay. So you're consistent, you know? Oh, you were on time. Yeah. So you're punctual. Like that's how you build character, right? Is like, consistently exactly. performing an action like for business. For example, when I, when I started my first business, you know, it, it came to a point of frustration where I was like, you know what? I know that the value I'm bringing this company, you know, I get a, I get a small couple hundred buck, uh, bonus on Christmas and the owner is getting a new Mercedes sports car. And that was my department that brought that we seven and a half X net profit of a company that exactly. I worked for. And I'm like, I'm not getting dick out of this. Uh, sorry for the language. And I was like, I'm, I'm never, I'm never do, working this hard or doing this for somebody else. I'm not reaping the reward. But then I, I, I had all this confidence before I left. And then when I left, I'm like, Oh, what do I do? I'm like, I already did this for somebody else. Exactly. So you can, you can take all the lessons and all the experience that you had working for somebody else. 
and just apply it to what you're doing for yourself. But you can't like, I, again, I don't know why I'm on this rant, but maybe it's to, to you directly, right? To like try and encourage you. Exactly. Cause like I'm, I'm again, like I'm four years into this craziness of working for yourself. My biggest thing is like, dude, you have this cr- inflection point. It's just so cool to talk to somebody that's just stepping out for the first time away from the security blanket, which is what I really want to talk about. Um, why I'm so stoked to have you on. Like, it is, it should be like a roller coaster where it's like a thrill, like, holy shit, this is going fast and taking all these turns versus like a free fall without a parachute. Like, it's more of a roller coaster because you already know. Like, you might not know that you know. But you've done so many things in jujitsu. You've done so many things in business. You have the college freaking degree, and you have a huge network of people that are, are have already done it. Like exactly, people are a phone call away. You've built the relationships. You you were smart with your finances. Like you weren't that Pizza Hut bicycle kid. Now not only can you drive, you've got like a new Subaru to drive. <laughs> like look at that, it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like so so from the confidence perspective, like I want to just you know speak to is take an inventory of all the things you've already done that are fact, right? Not opinion, right? I've trained this many days per week for this many years. Like I had a conversation and I'm, again, I'm ranting, but I'm just stoked. I'm stoked for you, man. I had a conversation with someone in the car industry who's been in it for like probably 15 years and they got into management and they were a salesperson for 10. And I'm like, okay, so how many cars have you sold? Because I don't never count how many cars I sold. All right, well, what is your average? I sold 14 a month. Okay, times 12 months. So 14 times 12. Let's just call it 10. It's easier. So 10 times 12, 120. Okay, so you sold 120 cars times 10 years. So you sold 1,200 cars. And it could have been double that. It could have been 2,400 cars. I'm like, you've closed that many contracts. Okay, average car. Call it 20,000 bucks. You did 2,000 times 20,000. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you like you, someone can't unsell those cars. You have the tools, you have the skills. I mean, that's what it's all about is being a salesman, right? Like, <laughs> that's what business is all about. I, I want, again, this is, this is uh, you know, from a friend to a friend, like think about how many practices of jujitsu you've taken as a student and how many you've taught as an instructor and quantify it because it's not an opinion. Like yeah. you're so far gone. Like when you, the time for insecurity was when you first started as a purple belt owning a gym. Like that's just so far away. You know what I mean? A lot of hours ago. Right. <laughs> a lot of hair ago. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, man, thanks for listening to that rant. Um, so, you know, I know we're coming up on, um, on your, your kid's one year, your kid's one year birthday. Crazy. And I, and I asked you like 14 years from now, which is nuts, but like, what do you, what are your plans to finish out the year now that you have this time? Like, what is the next steps immediately? My plan is to essentially bring as many people in the door as possible. That's mm-hmm. my business plan. My jujitsu, as far as increasing the services, I want to diversify instruction. I want to improve my teaching ability. So now that I have time, I'm going to use a day a week to hopefully travel and make that a routine where I can see different ways to do the same thing. And I'll say one of the best things that I learned, and maybe I shouldn't give a secret, but um, Chris Downing from Alliance in Westchester, um, I really value my friendship with Chris. Chris has been an incredible mentor and just friend to me um, in the jiu-jitsu community. And I just, the way when he allowed me to come up for his promotions, it's probably been about a month and a half or so ago, and got to see two of my good friends get their black belts um, and another good friend get a brown belt, um, actually two. Uh, and just see the way that he really puts a personal touch on his promotions. That was one thing that I took away that I really implemented moving forward. People put a lot of time and energy and it is a personal, it's a team, but it is very much a personal accomplishment. And we spend so much time together. You form a personal bond. So I just 
rather than making these big bullshit spiels and speeches, everybody understands the magnitude that's there of the belts. What I really try to do moving forward is I try to make it about the individual. I mean, that's why we're there. So I always try, and I, like I said, I took this from Chris, I try to tell a personal story. And I try to tell, you know, one memory, and it's funny, you know, thinking back when I think a little bit ahead of time, you know, what I'm going to say, or or it was great, you know, last night being able to promote uh, Garrett and Ron, and uh, me and Ron have just such a long history. I've known Ron since pretty much I started for 10 years plus, and mm-hmm. Just honored. I mean, absolutely honored to be just a part of his journey. I mean, we were not only is Ron good at jujitsu, does Ron exemplify what I'm looking for? Um, he also is just a really freaking good person and a really good friend. And I, I know I told you previously, but a story I'll always remember from Ron was when my family from Morocco was over and we just had a baby or we're going to have a baby. I forget. I think we just had a baby. I was trying to just figure out when my son was born, the time frame. Um, but they were over. They wanted to help. They wanted to clean up. And they went down in the basement. And in the process of cleaning, they flipped the kill switch on the furnace, shut everything down. And so I got home from training with food, and my house was like 100 degrees. So it's like, you know, hot as hell, uh, miserable. And now 100 might be an exaggeration. But it was very uncomfortable. So what I do, I called Ron. Ron came over in like an hour or two. Literally, it was went outside, looked at everything, went down in the basement, ended up just being, again, the kill switch. It was nothing. But that's the type of person Ron is. And by me, you know, just letting people understand an experience that I had with this person, maybe that newer person looks at him and now maybe it creates a bond between them. And now maybe there's another friendship for him. And it just brings us closer. And that's something that I'd really... I mean, Chris does a lot of things really good, but that's something that I really took away. And I think, you know, this year is another year of growth. Life is all about learning. Every experience I go through is about whether positive or negative. It's what did I take away and how can I better myself as a byproduct? And I had a tough lesson at the beginning of the year to learn and kind of work and navigate through. And, you know, really it fell from lack of leadership. And that was something that I have strived, not only being more present, but being that strong leader, not taking any bullshit. I mean, you know, there's a fine line being in the service industry. Yes, I listen. I always listen. But there's also a point where I learned to assert my leadership. You have to defend your home. It is. It's, Sometimes and it's you have to defend your home. Um, Dude, that <laughs> character development is so interesting because it's not binary. It's not zeros and ones or yes or no, or you are, or you're not. It's to what degree. Exactly. Right. Like I could say that I don't have a triangle choke in jujitsu. Now that's not true, but mine's terrible. Or, you just haven't let me work with it, uh, worth you on it enough yet. Or, or like, yeah. <laughs> or like I could say I don't have like a head and arm choke or, or I could say I do have one. Well, yeah, it's one of my better t- submissions, but like compared to somebody else, I don't. So when you're, when you're doing comparison, it's just like, it's like, okay, has it improved? And like, what actions can I take that would make it unreasonable for me not to develop this character trait? And like for you, in instances like you experience, we're not, we wouldn't go into it on in this podcast, like at the beginning of the year, would qualify as an instance that would necessitate your leadership to improve. Yeah. So like, it's a blessing Right, because with, without having trial and tribulation and, and tests, you don't get better. Hundred percent. Right, like the the hardest parts for me that the times in business where I'm most anxious are when everything's going well. You're just waiting. Because I'm like, okay, what's gonna <laughs> what, what don't what don't I see that's that's can screw up and exactly. Like, you know, when everything's hard, it's like, oh shit, I know what to do. Um, so I want to make that point about character development. That's really cool. Um, it's everything, right? That's why we're here. To grow as a person well i know we're around the the one hour mark and i want to let you you know get back to your day i think this conversation has been great man um, like i said to everyone listening in the beginning i've known mark for darn near 10 years decade decade and uh you know it's cool that he's, he's still like the same person though like nothing like every like things everything has changed but like mark's still like the guy that's gonna 
you know, for no other reason than just to support someone drive up to, you know, another city and be like, you're going to be fine. Like, how are you feeling? You know, not like all positive. So, um, Mark, if people want to find, you know, your business and you connect with you, how can people connect with you? You bet. Uh, Lancaster Brazilian Jiu Jitsu on Facebook website, LancasterBJJ.com, um, social media. I am super active, especially, um, well, Facebook, of course, but Instagram as well, Lancaster BJJ. I even have a, uh, what the world is that thing? TikTok now TikTok. that I'm starting to try to figure out how to use it. Um, so pretty much all over social media, you can find me. Um, super reachable. You cool, bet. man. Really appreciate you having me on here, man. I really uh, like the past of the conversation. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. No, ditto. My, the honor is definitely mine. Um, until until next time, everyone listen, listening to the show, reach out to Mark if you're interested. If you like the show and you want to be a part of it, reach out to me. Uh, always love having conversations with the new studio. We're still figuring it out, so bear with me. Give me any feedback. And uh, definitely make sure to check out Mark. And for now, Thunderstock Show is out. Peace.